Welcome to Sounds Like Success with Atlas IED. Welcome to Sounds Like Success. I'm your host, Sean Heath. You know, the world's a very big place until it starts to get smaller. Um, as companies increase their offerings, they obviously also increase the areas in which they offer those products and services. Well, at some point, you're everywhere. And that's a good goal, but it can be a little difficult to navigate some of the challenges that come with such a dramatic and aggressive expansion. Well, my guest on the podcast today knows a thing or two about expanding globally, and that is, of course, Dean Standing. Dean is the International Sales Manager for Atlas IED. Hi, Dean. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to have a chance to talk to you not the least of which because you know an awful lot about a very cool topic, but also you just got back from a really exciting and interesting globally focused trade show. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But first, I would like to start off with a a, a pretty simple question. I don't know if you get asked this very often, but can you break down for me the relationship between Atlas Sound and IED and the the benefits of that partnership. So Atlas Sound and IED are both under a, a common umbrella. They're owned by the uh, by MyTech Corporation. So we're all in the same family. Atlas Sound started out being primarily ceiling speakers and uh, constant voltage, 70 and 100 volt amplifiers, attenuators, pretty basic bread and butter sound contracting products. IED is more involved in large enterprise systems and is best known for airports and mass transit. And so the two companies together allow us to extend our reach from really basic background music and paging systems in a little coffee shop or restaurant all the way through to the largest scale enterprise systems. So it really has, has shifted the capabilities of Atlas from being just parts and pieces for small systems into looking more at complete system integration. So we can, we can cover everything. Uh, I mentioned the trade show you attended recently. That, of course, was ISE. Uh, just off the cuff, do you have a favorite trade show or do they all have different personalities? Well, they all have a different personality. I've I've liked ISE since the beginning. It was was initially uh, put together by a combination of NSCA, the old National Sound Contractors Association, which still continues as an association even though they don't do trade shows, and uh, by Infocom and by Cedia. So ISE has an interesting personality because it is really everything AV, whether it's commercial or residential, and it still has that flavor to it. So it's really a nice broad mix of products. And another added benefit that you have in attending trade shows that are different in nature, just because they're in a different country on a different continent, I would assume that you gather bits and pieces of information that help you when you're designing your methodology or your approach as you start to develop plans to expand your reach to global customers. Absolutely. I would say that uh, you know, a show like ISE has more 
uh, European exhibitors than uh, than Infocom has. So you see a lot of companies in, at that show that we don't necessarily see at an Infocom show when it's held in the U.S. Is there an atmospheric difference? And uh, by atmosphere, I don't mean the air. I mean, is there a different feeling at a trade show that takes place outside the United States? Most of the European trade shows include hospitality on the booth. So you'll see companies serving coffee, maybe in the afternoon, maybe a glass of beer or wine, uh, some refreshments on the stands. So you do see a lot more social aspect to the shows. And what I've always found fascinating is that when they announce the closure of the show at the end of the day, you don't have this immediate exodus. People will stay and visit on the on the booths, on the stands, at, after the close of the show. And so they kind of wander out a little more slowly. And it's not this, well, the show's over, we're done, and the lights are out. You know, that is interesting because I lived in Barcelona for a few years after I, I graduated high school. And I noticed that... During the middle of the afternoon when uh, siestas were officially taking place, usually between, say, 1 p.m. and 4 p.m., you know, everyone's hanging out, they're having lunch, nice casual relaxation, no business discussed during that time. But those social um, interactions continued past the unofficial end of the siesta. It's almost like the social was how you join together to communicate and then okay now that we're talking on the same level now we can talk about business is that sort of what you see at this type of trade show oh absolutely i mean our business has always had a social component to it and i would say domestically it's gotten more to the point where it's more cut and dried more business less social and on an international scale most international companies want to feel comfortable with you personally before they'll commit to doing business with you. So there is that that social component is actually a lot of what drove me, you know, 30 years ago to focus more on the international markets and not on the domestic market. One last question about ISE. Uh, did you get a glimpse into the future at this recent trade show? Is there something that really caught your eye? Unfortunately, I was on our booth the whole time and had really didn't have any time to wander about the only thing I saw was were the the booths that were between us and the and the exit and entrance doors so that's always one of the things I try and look forward to but uh, I kept busy through the the close of the show so I wasn't able to do much wandering around because you were surrounded by Atlas IED product and ideas and services did that give you the opportunity to reflect a little bit on how you were presenting Atlas IED to the global community? Because I would imagine there is a bit of a culture gap. As you mentioned, there's not just a culture gap in the way that trade shows are presented, but there is a very distinct culture gap in the way products and services are presented and named and labeled around the world. And that can be a very delicate tightrope to walk. Yeah, there is there is that difference. I mean, in, when we're exhibiting in the U.S., we're well-known brand names. Both Atlas and IED are well-known. When we're exhibiting internationally, part of what we have to do is explain who who we are as a company. Uh, in the in the domestic market, in the U.S. market, you know, we're having to show people that 
Atlas isn't your grandfather's ceiling speaker company anymore and that we do have complete solutions and that we do have high-tech products as well. Internationally, we're really starting more from ground zero and having to explain who we are and what we do in general. And uh, so that works out well, given that people are more interested in exploring a deeper relationship. They've got time to talk about those things. So you don't have to just present it in three bullet points and then they've, they're off to the next stand. And that's an effort that really pays dividends in, in the long term. For example, nobody today on Earth believes that Nintendo is a playing card company. That, you know, that was an initial uh, image that they had to grow from. As Atlas IED continues to grow and expand globally, there's a very definite focus that you have to have on product and service naming. Can you tell me a little bit about the challenges you see there? There are some classic stories of companies who have, uh, who've gotten into naming problems. I mean, I, uh, one, of, one of my favorite ones is uh, when Chevrolet was extending south of the border into Mexico many, many years ago, and they introduced a car called the Nova, which was very successful in the U.S. market, and literally Nova no va means no go in Spanish. So it's kind of hard to sell a car that's name is doesn't go. Well, yeah, that seems like uh, seems like somebody probably should have reached out. Um, you're not old enough, but maybe they should have reached out to someone such as yourself who has an eye on the global impact of naming conventions. So we we do have to we do have to look at that kind of thing, and I think most companies are are a lot more sensitive to that now than they were in the uh, in the '60s and uh, and '70s. U.S. companies have have always had the luxury of we have a big enough domestic market to where we can focus on the domestic market and be successful. European companies, if they focused only on their home markets, they wouldn't do very well. So they usually start the companies right from the beginning with the idea in mind that they're, they've got to be global. They've got to extend well beyond their borders if they want to have any degree of success. When you take a product such as the vast array of products that you have there at Atlas IED. And you take that concept that we take for granted in the United States because that's just the way this particular thing is done. And you go into a new market in South America or in um, Central Europe and their day-to-day transactions or interactions from the customer to the business side or the B2B uh, relationships, those are quite different sometimes. And do you find that it's easier to explain the universal functionality of your product to a new market, or is it sometimes easier to alter your product to fit the existing usage case in that market? I would say it's probably a combination of both things. There are times certainly that the product has to be adapted to the market, and there are times where that may not be practical, and and so it's a matter of explaining the use case for which a product was developed and then the customer can help interpret as to whether or not there's a market for that. We're very successful in the education market in the U.S. with our IPX series of IPN points. Those fit very well, and, and a lot of the advantages to that 
are that they allowed district-wide communications on a very easy scale where from from uh, the administration headquarters they can contact any combination of classrooms or schools or down to a single classroom level well internationally uh, let's say in the UK every school pretty much stands on its own so there is no real district concept so you have to work with individual schools and so you have to show them how this product works better than traditional products on a per school basis rather than presented as a global district-wide solution so it's really a combination of of understanding how the market works and what benefits your product brings to the specific market that you want to try and target in that international market or domestic market for that matter. When you're venturing out around the globe and looking for new markets and and coming up with new solutions that can help new clients that aren't currently Atlas IED clients or solutions that can help increase a relationship with existing clients, it helps to have a footprint that's closer to that customer. What is something that people would be surprised to learn about Atlas IED that they don't know today? Well, I think they'd be surprised to learn that we do have an office in France, for example, that we have a, our own office in China. We own a, we own a factory in China. And uh, so that gets us closer to customers. We have our own subsidiary in Australia and Thailand. So those are things that probably a lot of people aren't aware of. And then domestically in the U.S. market, we're really a diverse company. We have engineering offices in uh, Elkhart, Indiana. We have an engineering office in Salt Lake City, Utah. We have engineering in Phoenix, Arizona, in uh, Ennis, Texas, which is where our principal warehouse is. And then, of course, the original IED facilities are in Louisville, Kentucky, and we have engineering and manufacturing and support there as well. So we do have a a very diverse setting as far as having uh, people around the globe and around the U.S. And one of the benefits in having a footprint scattered sort of equidistant around the globe like that is in the pro-AV space, seven hours isn't a whole lot of time unless you're a customer in the pro AV space, then you feel like seven hours is a lifetime. And having, as you mentioned, several spaces in the United States, France, Asia, a factory in China, that's nothing but positive for your relationship with your customers in being able to address their issues as quickly as possible. Absolutely. And we're working to continually improve our ability to support customers on their own time frame rather than having to uh, arrange a meeting at uh, 10 or 11 o'clock in the evening domestic U.S. time so that we can talk to a customer on their time zone or conversely uh, trying to avoid having to have them get up in the middle of the night so that they can talk to us about an issue or a problem that they have. Today it has been an absolute pleasure for me to have a conversation with the International Sales Manager for Atlas IED, Dean Standing. Dean, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity.